Bible prophesied of a unique time on earth, Israel would be returned to her land, the church would turn to false doctrines, technology would increase, and wickedness and immorality would run rampant. The time spoken of so long ago has come. Join Charlie Garrett as he breaks down these events for us as they unfold each week. For now, it's 26 August 2018. It's uh, Sunday. It's time for the Prophecy Update of the Week. And I have um, uh, something missing. Oh, yeah, there we go. Um, our first category, as always, is Israel. Okay? And I wanted to tell you that before we actually get into the Israel category, that last year, Sergio and Rhoda in Israel had a series of videos that they did. They were the uh, Sergio and Rhoda videos, uh, travel videos, and they became very popular. We watched the last one today, which was the Temple Mount, and the reason why we did that is because they are starting their next season next week, okay? So I want to invite everybody on the Prophecy Update that watches this to click onto them. I will put them at the end of our Prophecy Update video every single week, and he's already done a couple of them. They're ready to be uploaded, and they are fantastic. I've seen the uh, early editions of them. So I want you to please know that these are coming, that they are, they are really outstanding. And having said that, I, uh, I wanted to do something a little different than I normally do today. I've only done this once, is that I'd like to uh, call Sergio and Rhoda. And there's a reason why. It's, hello, how are you? We, we understand you're starting your um, season next week, and so you're going to be doing the Sergio and Rhoda videos, and uh, I just announced that to the people online that I'll be tagging those videos at the end of our uh, Prophecy Updates each week. And so are you excited about the videos? Yes, very excited. Some really cool places. We've got this, this season, I would, I, would, I would title it as the archaeologist season because we've got, the Lord bless us with so many uh, different people, archaeologists, professors, um, directors of archaeology in Galilee who are willing to interview and show us locations that are not accessible any other way. So, you know, you need to get a permit to get there, and so it's usually illegal to excavate otherwise. It's, it's very exciting. We're so thrilled, and it's coming out soon. Well, that's, that's really wonderful, and we're looking forward to it. And uh, there's also another reason why we called, of course, is because we understand somebody's having a birthday today, is uh, Rhoda. Rhoda's having a birthday. And so we all just wanted to wish you a happy birthday. Everybody, uh, I don't know if you can see Jay's sign. He's got a happy birthday sign over there. And uh, <laughs> we just, we love you very much. We wish you a wonderful day. And just to be as annoying as possible to the people on the update who have to watch this update later, we all want to sing you happy birthday. So, and Jim Dwyer as well, because Jim, come on over here. Come on over here and stand behind the, uh, this here, because we have another birthday. This is Jim who opens us. Make sure that you're in the box. You've cut off your head. See the box down here? It's okay, yeah. You've got to be down in here. So we're going to see sing these guys a happy birthday. Little happy workout. birthday to you. Happy, happy birthday, birthday to you. you. Happy, happy birthday, dear Jim and Rhoda. Happy birthday to you. All right. So we wish you a happy birthday. We look forward to the next season. And uh, we just, we love all of you immensely, okay? And I hope I haven't gotten out of the screen here. But uh, where'd Sergio go? Is he, is he gone or is he still there? All right, you guys have a wonderful time. We'll look forward to your videos. And uh, big things, we're expecting good, exciting things next, uh, next Sunday. Thank you so much. I love you all. All right, God bless you now. Take care.
Bye-bye. Bye. God bless you. All right. See, that was fun. All right. So, okay. So here we go. We got our first category, as always, is Israel. And from Arts Shiva, we have the deal of the century to be unveiled next month, which is coming in just a couple more days. Uh, Donald Trump is going to be uh, giving his version of a peace deal between the Palestinians and Israel. And uh, the Palestinian Authority newspaper reports Trump peace plan to be unveiled during the president's speech to the U.N. General Assembly in September. Uh, I understand that they're already not happy with it, et cetera, et cetera, and nobody's happy with it. Well, it's not going to go through because Trump is not the Antichrist, okay? It may be a part of it may be used as a part of the model for the Antichrist's uh, uh, deal, but the Antichrist is going to be a Roman. And that's very clear from Daniel 9, 24 through 27. We don't need to get all excited and say that America is going to be collapsing in the next 10 days or something because of this. Um, God does judge America when we uh, try to harm Israel. And I don't think that our president is doing anything in this attempted peace deal to harm Israel. We'll see how it goes. But um, uh, in the meantime, though, we have uh, just, you know, we just have to wait and we have to be patient as to what is being said. There's a couple clues as to uh, some of the items that are being discussed already, even though it hasn't been released on this peace deal. But uh, just so you know, that's coming and uh, it's kind of exciting, but it will not be the peace deal that uh, is signed by the Antichrist and with Israel. That is not a, that's a non-starter according to the Bible. So there you go. From Behold Israel, emigration from Israel. Emigration from Israel is at a record low. Israel's emigration is at its lowest in a decade, a 9% decline since 2016. That means that things are going well. The economy is good, et cetera, et cetera. So this is good news for Israel. And in Israel's Bureau of Statistics report, emigration is not only at a record low, but the number of Israeli citizens abroad returning to Israel has also increased. Over 8,900 Israeli citizens living abroad returned to Israel in 2016. And we just talked to two of them because they were here in America and they returned then. So uh, maybe maybe it was 2017, but it was right in that time frame that they went back to Israel. So um, let's see here. That's a 5% increase from 2015. The report evaluated data collected from 2016 and reported 89.3% of Jewish citizens. And listen to this. 80.7% of its Arab population as satisfied with their lives. Now, that's pretty incredible when you hear all the bad stuff that the news says about uh, how the uh, Jews are unfair to the Arabs and everything. 80% of them, actually 80.7% of them, are happy. They're satisfied with their lives. In March, the UN released a report on the world's happiest nations. Israel ranked 11th. I reported on that when it came out. The report cited an increase in Israeli lifespan of 3.4 years and Israel's health system as factors. A low unemployment rate of 4% and strong social support were also factors. So good stuff happening over there. Then from BIN, we have Philippines. The president of the Philippines, Duarte, confirms Israel visit. He is going to go to Israel from the Philippines. I used to like this guy immensely. I'm very unhappy with him since he spoke badly about the God of the Bible, but Having understood why he did, because he was violated by a Catholic priest, I can uh, appreciate at least his anger towards the Catholic Church, but not toward God. Um, the September 2 through 5 trip will be, which is coming soon, I mean, that's a couple more days away, will be the first visit by a Filipino leader since diplomatic ties were established between the two countries in 1957. So that's been a long-standing uh, friendship, and he's the first to go. Duarte and Netanyahu will 
discuss how to develop deeper ties on several issues, including counterterrorism and security. Israel is a key weapons supplier to the Philippine Islands, which is fighting Islamic terrorists and communist guerrillas. In addition, the leaders will also likely speak about attempts to prevent drug trafficking, the possibility of direct flights from Israel to the Philippines, and agricultural cooperation. Well, if Israel wants to know how to curb drug trafficking, all they need to do is take what he does and implement it there. Because when he gets a drug trafficker, what does he do? He kills him. He just shoots him right in the street. He doesn't give him a trial or anything. You're trafficking drugs, you're done. So that's the, he's at least been effective in that regard. Let's see here. The Philippine leader is highly controversial figure. Two years ago, he sparked outrage after likening the Philippine Islands' deadly drug war to the Holocaust. He faced global condemnation for attempting to compare his crackdown on drugs with the Nazi attempt to annihilate the Jewish people. Duarte has praised Netanyahu in the past for his steadfastness in safeguarding Israel's national interest from any element. So there you go. You can see there's a little bit of uh, common ground between the two, and they're going to work on even making that more so. From Arts Shiva. NIS 1 million deducted from the Fakistanian Authority transfers over torture. I reported that they might do this, and now they have done it. Israel's law enforcement agencies have decided to order the deduction of over 1 million shekels from the Fakistanian Authority's tax revenues. The money will cover the medical expenses of the Fakistanian Authority collaborators who were tortured by the Fakistanian Authority Security Services, as well as for the compensation they demanded. Last year, an Israeli court for the first time recognized the torture of 50 collaborators and ordered the Fakistanian Authority to pay them compensation. Now, these collaborators were mostly Arab, if not all Arab. They're citizens living in Israel. They went to help Israel, and the Fakistanian Authority either tortured them or in some cases had them killed. They are now taking that money away from the proceeds that are supposed to go to the Fakistanians, and they are giving it to these people that helped Israel. Okay, The full amount is yet to be determined. However, in the meantime, legal costs have been deducted from the transfers to the Fakistanian Authority. Then from the Times of Israel, after Facebook... Hamas turns to Instagram to lure IDF soldiers, Army says. Okay, now, you know, there. I don't know if you get a lot of these. I get them all the time as these trolls. There'll be a picture of somebody who's obviously not the person that's uh, wanting to friend you. And I have no idea why people do these things. But they friend you. They, you know, they are trolls doing something. And maybe it's because, I don't know, I'm a pastor and they want to trip me up or something. But uh, this is something that goes on in the cyber world. If you're going to be on social media, you've got to expect people, if you are, you know, uh, just popular or whatever, if you're uh, like Jim, he's very uh, well, he comments on a lot of people's yeah. things. He debates with people. Somebody is bound to want to be a troll against him, maybe a Democrat if he's a Republican or something like that. You know what I'm saying? So you just have to watch and be wary of who you friend on Facebook. But here we go. This is happening. The Israeli military uncovered a new effort by the Hamas terror group to trick soldiers into downloading spyware applications onto their phones by befriending them on Instagram with accounts purporting to belong to attractive women. The IDF Information Security Branch revealed a similar attempt last month by the Gaza-based Hamas that used the Facebook social media site to lure soldiers into installing software on their phones that would allow the terror group to remotely control it, turning on the device's cameras and audio recorders. So they're trying to spy through their own equipment 
Last week, a civilian cybersecurity firm also found an attempt by Hamas to hack Israeli civilians' phones using an app called Israel Alert, a fake version of the Code Red app, which is used to warn people of impending rocket attacks. According to Clear Sky Cybersecurity, Israel Alert would have also given Hamas control over the user's phone, allowing the terror group to take pictures, make calls, or transmit location data. It's a scary world we live in, and so these kind of things, we just need to be aware of it. But uh, I don't own a phone, so that doesn't really affect me in that regard. But if somebody could get into my computer, I suppose they could make me look handsome or something. I don't know. Whatever. Um, From Christian News Today. A little bit of a long article. It's something that uh, made several big news services, so you may have heard about it, but I'm going to read it anyway because it's so vulgar. It's like the guy up at Harvard that was uh, uh, saying Leviticus accepts homosexuality in its original. Now, okay, here we go. Colleges offer courses on queering children and the Bible, okay? At Pomona College, I'm not citing the whole article. I just picked out select parts of it so you know what's going on in our higher education in America today. At Pomona College, by reading the Bible with the methods of queer and trans theoretical approaches, this class destabilizes long-held assumptions about what the Bible and religion says about gender and sexuality. Eugene Lang College will offer a course titled Queering and Decolonizing Theology, where students will explore topics such as the sexual ethics and ritualization found in the S&M community and transgender Christs. Christian theology is often depicted as a violent colonial force standing in particular opposition to LGBTQILMNOP lives. However... Over the last 30 years, people of faith, activists, and theorists alike have rediscovered what is queer within Christianity, uncovered what is religious within secular queer communities, and used post-colonial theory to decolonize lived religious practices and theologies. So this is what's being taught in your higher education in America. Here's another one. Similarly, students at Harvard Divinity School... Imagine this, we'll be able to attend a course on queer theologies, queer religions, which will explore the project of queer theology and how it relates to larger aspirations of queer religion or spirituality in America. In this course, students will begin by sampling the efforts to revise traditional Christian theologies in order to accept or affirm same-sex loves. After that, they will move on to examining forgotten possibilities and historical engagements between advocates of homosexual rights and established religious bodies, chiefly churches and synagogues. This is still Harvard we're talking about. We will consider the boundaries between queer theology and queer theory or between it and other political theologies. We will test the boundaries of Christianity while considering the varied forms of queer religion outside of familiar religious institutions in spirituality or spiritualism, in magic or in neo-paganism, in erotic asceticism. Swarthmore College students will survey queer and trans readings of biblical texts during a course titled Queering the Bible which will introduce them to complexity of constructions of sex, gender, and identity in one of the most influential literary works produced in ancient times. 
By reading the Bible with the methods of queer and trans theoretical approaches, this class destabilizes long-held assumptions about what the Bible and religion says about gender and sexuality. In other words, it's a complete attack on Christianity, on what is right interpretation of the Bible. It is a complete attack on it. The next one, the University of San Francisco is also getting into the act with a course on Christian feminist theology that aims to develop an understanding of how feminist scholarship provides one fruitful means towards reappropriation of central Christian insights about God. The course will facilitate critical reflection upon the experience of God and insights from feminist thought according to the description. Now, it goes on like this for a while. It talks about this with other colleges, etc. I wanted you to just have a snapshot of what is going on in our colleges and higher education, including Harvard Divinity School. You know, Harvard was a theological seminary when it started out. It was started out for this express purpose of evangelizing this new world rearing up pastors, etc., for this new world in the name of Jesus Christ. And now they've gone this far down. So there you go. From the Daily Caller, Christian University caves on homosexuality. I should have seen this coming. I didn't think they would, but they did. This is something we reported on up in Canada a few months ago, and they have caved. Canada's Trinity Western University has quietly caved to judicial and LGBT pressure to remove its insistence that students agree to refrain from all sexual activity outside of traditional marriage. The university located outside of Vancouver had long required those enrolled in its courses to sign a community covenant with that understanding, but retracted its stance last week. Only when the academic institution attempted to open a law school, which is what I brought up, they wanted to open a law school, and they says, you can't, or you can, but you are not going to be accredited. Anybody that graduates will not be accredited, and of course, then there's no point in going to that law school, because who's going to accept you? So I, I should have seen this coming. I thought that they might stand on their values. They didn't, and so now this is going to affect the entire supposedly Christian college. From here, it's all down to the down the drain with them as far as we uh, can see but it says um, when they went to open the law school the requirement was changed in June the Supreme Court of Canada voted seven to two against the university saying a mandatory covenant is not absolutely required to study law in a Christian environment the motion from TWU's Board of Governor reads, In furtherance of our desire to maintain TWU as a thriving Christian community of Christian believers that is inclusive of all students wishing to learn from a Christian viewpoint and underlying philosophy, the community covenant will no longer be mandatory as of the 2018-19 academic year with respect to admission of students to for continuation of students at the university. So here they say they want a thriving community of Christian believers, and in fact, they're not going to have that at all because they've caved on one of their principles. Nothing matters anymore. As far as I'm concerned, I hope that they go out of business. I wish that they had gone down honorably. Now I hope they go down in dishonor. That's what I hope. From BuzzFeed, the Mormon church doesn't want to be called Mormon anymore. From Islam, Al-Arabiya. Indonesian kindergarten dresses children as jihadis for a parade, and they march their children down. Their little kids, little tots about this big, had uh, fake machine guns in their hands and wearing their full uh, kami burkas and everything on and walking down the street. So uh, kindergarten in Indonesia sparked uproar after it reportedly dressed up preschoolers and ISIS 
costumes and gave them dummy rifles on a parade for Indonesia's Independence Day. The parade held in the city of Probolinggo included little preschool girls marching on the street and wearing black from top to bottom with niqabs while carrying dummy rifles made out of cardboard. So there you go, the religion of peace. From Aretz Shiva, Hamas, we won't disarm as a part of any truce with Israel. Hamas said that it will not lay down its weapons or pay any political price as a part of any ceasefire agreement with Israel. Well, if that is part of Trump's deal, then it's not going to work out anyway. I mean, Hamas is at this point unwilling to give up their weapons. And what is a peace deal? A peace deal is saying that we want peace, peace, right? Well, if they're not willing to give up their weapons, which are solely used for attacking Israel, you know, Israel's weapons are defensive until they are attacked and then they go on the offense. But these people don't want peace, and there they go. Or there you go. From Jerusalem Post, Bolton, U.S.'s highest priority is Iran never getting nuclear capabilities. This is maybe, you know, I've said this in the past, is that we know Gog Magog is coming against Israel. We know who the players are. They're all described in Ezekiel 38. I think that Iran is the key to this. They are, something is going to happen. It's possible that Israel is going to say, well, they are working on nuclear weapons again. We're going to go in and we're going to attack them like they did to Iraq in the 1980s. And this alliance is going to come against them. Something like that. It may be oil in Israel. They're drilling in Israel. They're finding pockets of oil. They may find a couple big uh, things and the world just says, we can't let them have that. Something. But uh, it may be that... uh, Iran is the key to this just by simply pushing this nuclear issue. But for now, Bolton is saying it's not going to happen. The U.S. is working with European countries to convince them of the need to take stronger steps against the Iranian nuclear weapons program. Bolton was speaking at the prime minister's office prior to a meeting with Prime Minister Netanyahu. I think it is of the highest importance for the United States that Iran never get nuclear weapons capabilities. This is why President Trump withdrew from the wretched Iran nuclear deal. This is why he has imposed economic sanctions. This is why we are working with our friends in Europe to convince them of the need to take stronger steps against Iranian nuclear weapons. He said, this is also, Bolton added, the reason why we continuously worry about Iran's role as the central banker for international terrorism. This is why we worry about Iran's belligerent military activity in Iran and Syria with Hezbollah in Lebanon and in Yemen. Iran is a troubled country. It's troubling a lot of other countries, and we need to keep an eye on it. And thank goodness we got a president, and what is his position? He's the uh, secretary of uh, Bolton. Um, What is he? Anyway, whatever his title is, he, he is aware of it. Pompeo is the secretary of state. These guys are aware of Iran, and they are working against them, whereas our previous president worked with them. So anyway, oh, by the way, before I go on, um, we have another birthday coming up on September 2nd. I won't say who it is, but I'll point over at Linda, okay? There you go. Just so you know that uh, Jim's wife and uh, Jim have birthdays very close to one another, and there you go. So happy birthday to you. From the Free Beacon. Okay, now this is from April from the Free Beacon, just the title. It says, Iranian-backed sleeper cell militants hibernating in U.S. positioned for attack. Now, that was in April. They said this, and of course, everybody ignores right-wing articles like the Free Beacon, and so nobody reported on outside of a couple of smaller news services, but from the Free Beacon this week, two Iranian-Americans charged with spying on Jewish-Israeli facilities. 
Two Iranian-Americans have been charged by the Trump admin with spying on Jewish and Israeli-associated facilities in California on behalf of the hardline Iranian regime. The charges are among the first by the Trump admin charging Iranian spies of running ops on the Jewish and American communities on American soil. The Iranian individuals are charged with knowingly acting as agents of the government of Iran without prior notification to the attorney general, providing services to Iran in violation of U.S. sanctions and conspiracy, according to the Justice Department. So there you go. If they have found one cell, it tells you there are plenty more cells out there. From Zero Hedge. Turkey's collapse, I talked about this last week. I'll get into it a little more this week, just so you can get an idea of how important it is that Turkey doesn't collapse, or if they do, what the ramifications for it are. Turkey's collapse could send millions of refugees flooding into Europe. Millions of refugees, primarily from northern Africa and neighboring Syria, would likely flood into Europe as the Turkish economy collapses. Over 3.5 million refugees now live in Turkey. After having escaped the brutal conflict that has continued for over seven years in neighboring Syria, at the same time, there are at least one half million refugees from other parts of the Middle East and Northern Africa also living in the transcontinental country. Many of these migrants settled in the country because of a deal Ankara struck with the EU in 2016. There are four million refugees in Turkey. Even though they haven't integrated into Turkish society, they have benefited from a welcoming government. Well, if they haven't integrated there, do you think they're going to go up to a non-Muslim nation and integrate? Of course not. But this is probably what's going to happen if Turkey collapses. They don't have any food in Turkey anymore because the lira is not worth anything. Well, let's just go north. We're not going back home, so we're just going to go north and feed off of the EU, right? Erdogan was convinced to bring the European migrant influx under control in exchange for $6.6 billion in assistance. However, this may be untenable as the Turkish economy goes deeper into a death spiral and another million migrants may cross the border after an impending Russia-backed Syria government offensive in the jihadist stronghold of Idlib province. So we'll watch the next few weeks, see how it goes. Could be, you know what, EU already wants them there. I mean, there are people that don't, but for the most part, they want to ruin themselves. So it's like our previous president wanted to ruin the United States. I don't understand it. I I really don't. Just get the gun, start pointing it, shooting at your foot until it's all gone, and then start shooting at your leg and just keep blowing yourself away. I don't get it. But there you go. From Mongolia this week. I got an uh, article that I was going to present, a really cool one, and instead something even cooler came along, and I want to thank Adri for this. I think that's how you pronounce the name, but anyway, thank you for that. From the New York Times, Russian military braces for massive war games in the East. Okay, Russia is flexing its muscles along with China because they are under sanctions from America. That's right, and so now they are joining together, and guess what? Mongolia is going to join them in this uh, war games. Russia's military forces in the country's east were put on high alert ahead of massive war games that also involve China and Mongolia, the largest show of power in nearly 40 years. The five days of military drills will pave the way for the Vostok 2018 military exercise. Those maneuvers set for next month will be the largest since the massive Soviet war games in 1981. Army, Air Force, and Navy units will take part in the exercise that will be held across the Far East and Siberia. As a part of a smaller, separate military exercise this week, under the auspices of the Shanghai Cooperation Organization, a security group dominated by Moscow and Beijing, Chinese warplanes landed at a Russian airbase in the Euro Mountains. 
The Russian military has increased both the scope and frequency of its maneuvers amid tensions with the West. It has also expanded military ties in China. The two countries have forged what they described as a strategic partnership, expressing their shared opposition to the unipolar world, the term they use to describe perceived U.S. global domination. So there you go, kind of scary that the East is kind of aligning and doing things, and we're on the West and we're doing things, and we're not getting along the way we were in the past. But such is the world we live in, and we're heading towards the end times where, you know, I'll read you an article next week and I'll explain it then. Good stuff. Anyway, from Xinhua, also under Mongolia News, last week I noted that the Thai and Mongolians played basketball and they came within one point of each other and I said they just need to cut out the, uh, the, uh, the all of it but the last minute, play only the last minute. Well, now I think that they ought to do something different but I don't know what. Xinhua says, China overwhelms Mongolia 110 to 36 in women's basketball games in Asia. So they probably need to cut the game shorter anyway just to keep people from being embarrassed to death. But there you go. I was wrong about it last week, apparently. From Daniel 12 Technology, Mail Online, does anybody here have an Android? No. Google makes Android, don't they? Or they're. Yeah, the Android phone. Everybody's got iPhones in here. Anyway, if you have an Android, here we go. It says the Android app that could boost your phone's battery life by 30%. Researchers from the University of Waterloo created an app called Multidroid. It helps reduce the amount of energy consumed when people use Android's multi-window tool, which allows users to run several apps at the same time. After trials, they found the app boosted battery life between 10 and 25%. So there you go. If you want to uh, increase your battery life on your Android, which nobody has here, then you can do it. Oh, we have one. We've got one Android over here. Two. We got two Androids here. Do I hear three? Do I hear three? We got three Androids. Do I hear four? Okay. No, we don't have four. We have three. Okay. Let's see here. And also from Mail Online. Now that's micromanaging company. I reported on this last week. It's an update after a year of this going on here in the U.S. Company has allegedly implanted microchips in 80 employees in the past year so they can scan their hands to access building, sign into their computers, and even purchase snacks, which sounds like the end times, right? Purchasing snacks, your food and everything. So what was that? How convenient, absolutely. One third of the employees of the Three Square Market in River Falls, Wisconsin, have had a microchip the size of a large grain of rice implanted in their hands. The business launched the RFID chip option for its employees on August 1st of 2017, which is when we reported on it. Initially, 41 employees got the implants, followed by over 30 more in the past year. When scanned by a reader, the RFID chips are used to make purchases in the company cafeteria, gain access to the building, and log into workstations. The idea came from a trip to Sweden in 2017 where 3,000 of the country's nearly 10 million residents are microchipped. Concerns include data theft, lack of privacy, risk of infection from implants, and an eternal swim in the lake of fire. (laughs) I added that in. From Revelation Plagues, we have AI.com. 
Florida, we all know that red tide is in Florida, okay? All over the U.S. I get calls from people or texts or Facebook posts, how is the red tide, is it bad? You know, are you, we understand it's the worst in the history of the universe, and I want to correct that right now. So I'm going to give you, uh, just from AI.com, they say, Florida red tide update, toxic organisms span 130-mile stretch, which it does. It's 130 miles long, and it stinks like the Dickens when the uh, wind is coming from the north or from the northwest as it did two or three days in the past couple weeks. I will say this for people that have never smelled red tide. If you're on the beach, now if you're out here and it's blowing, all you get is the dead smell. But if you want to know, if you want to just experience what we go through on Siesta Key when we have uh, just a little bit of easterly wind, it's a microorganism that blooms and it causes your throat to get real scratchy. And the only way I can describe it is muriatic acid on concrete. If you have muriatic acid on concrete, you get that where you can't breathe. It's like, ah. So now what I want you to do, so you can experience this with us, is get one of your rooms, tear out the carpet, and just have a concrete floor. And go out and drive around until you have at least three or four, maybe five uh, roadkills that are at least four days old. Bring them into your house and put them in that room turn on a heater and then get some muriatic acid and put it on the concrete and start breathing and just sit in there for three or four weeks like we have to, okay? That's what it's like. But having said that, okay, I was thinking about that's what it's like. It's just, it, it is. So there you go. So you can do that and you can empathize with us after, after a couple of weeks of this. But here we go. Um, 130 mile stretch, 12 dolphins killed. In 1986, 238 manatees 10% of the total population was killed by red tide. So it's not that bad. It hasn't got nearly that bad here, okay? Going on, over 100 tons of dead animals have washed up on beaches in the last few months, including 12 dolphins in the span of one week, okay? In 1971, 2,000 tons of dead fish. Okay, 100 tons, 2,000 tons. Which one is worse, okay? I, I, I really can't decide. Okay, we're not even close to it. Now, having said that, because it was 197 tons at midweek. This was earlier in the week. I was in the bank, and I said, we've had 100 tons cleaned up. And the girl said, well, I saw in the news this morning it's 197 tons. But I posted this on Facebook, okay, with all of the uh, links, so you can go back and read the history. CNN must have seen my Facebook page, because what did they do this morning? They put out an article that says 2,000 tons of dead animals have been picked up. Well, we went from 197 to 2,000 in three days. I don't think so. I don't think so. CNN, they need these headlines. They need these headlines. And when something isn't as bad as it, it has been in the past, all of a sudden they make something up. Fake news. So it's, it's all global warming. That's right. Okay, so here we have the current red tide began in October 2017 but has intensified in the last few months, okay? It wasn't very bad. It's only been a couple months where it's gotten really bad. 1953, the longest single red tide episode recorded to that date began an 18-month stay along the Florida Gulf Coast. It never left during 18 months. And as I said, when I was a kid, I remember it lasted a whole year from yeah, right. summer to summer. So it's not that bad, despite being gross. And it may be the worst ever, but it's a natural occurring thing. Do not believe the news services. They're trying to sell you their papers. They're trying to get you to click on their ads. Don't believe them. I have got, just in case anybody wants it, they can email me. I've got all of the links. And it's much worse than what I've read. I just read you comparing to what that article said. But there are times where one time it came and it lasted 
lasted 10 years in and out. It wasn't there the whole 10 years, but it lasted, that was 1897, okay? There are all kinds of recorded deaths, amounts, everything. I've got it, all the history from the New York Times articles, from other articles, from Florida websites which have tracked this. So if you want that information to refute these libs, the only reason why this is an issue is because we have a governor who is now running for the U.S. Senate. And in order to make him look bad, they're saying it's the governor's fault that this has happened and they're making all of this up. It's That's exactly why. They want... Now Nelson, that Democrat, to go back up there for the 50th time, and we don't want him. We've got a good governor who will make a good senator, and so that's why this is happening. If it was a four-year election year, it would be all Trump's fault, okay? But it's not. But this is what's happening in the news. Do not believe the MSM or the lame news or whatever. Okay, from Fox News. Florida's red tide. Scientists, here we go. You want to screw up the world? They seek solution to toxic algae crisis. It's a naturally occurring thing. It is 137 miles long, and they want to fix it? you got to be kidding. <laughs> Scientists are seeking a solution to the red tide crisis that has been devastating marine life on Florida's Gulf Coast, as it has forever and forever. The naturally occurring, there you go, they said it in their own article, toxic algae bloom, which was declared an emergency by Governor Rick Scott, has littered beaches with dead sea life. Okay, they want, I was reading one article, they want to have a big pumping station that pumps all of the seawater out and takes out the microorganism and sends it back out. You take out a naturally occurring microorganism and you are going to screw up this world. That's what's going to happen. If you do that, I, I said this and I think it was mom, somebody agreed with me with me on this yesterday, is that when you, maybe it was you at lunch, this is a natural thing which keeps the environment in check. A certain number of fish are killed, and they they are equaled out. If you have too many of this type of fish, then things get out of balance. Red tide balances things out. That's what it does. It's natural. It's not something that is going to harm the world, and it's not because of Governor Scott or anything like that. It is naturally occurring. So there you go with that. From the AP, hard to see, hard to breathe, the U.S. West struggles with smoke. So they're covered in smoke. I emailed a couple friends, uh, my friend John out in uh, Seattle, and one of my friends, Tony, who's also in Seattle, said on his Facebook post, Seattle air quality alert. Please stay indoors and do not breathe. So there you go. Yeah. Uh, I told him, I said, I really like breathing, so I'm not coming up to visit you. All right, from CNN. Congo Ebola outbreak, 78 cases, 44 deaths, 10 health workers infected. Of those cases, 51 are confirmed and 27 are probable. This includes 44 deaths. In addition, 10 healthcare workers have become infected with the disease. Nine of those cases are confirmed and the one probable case is a worker who died. Well, I'd say it's probably not probable if he died from it, but whatever. The viral hemorrhagic fever is transmitted from person to person by infected bodily fluids such as blood, saliva, feces, and breast milk. It is highly infectious, but not highly contagious. So you can't get it just by being in the same room with somebody. You actually have to have some uh, bodily fluid transfer. For morality this week, from BPR. Research at ACLU School of Law estimates strict ID laws could disenfranchise transgender voters. This is what they're worried about, is that we can't have ID laws now because of transgender voters. The report released by the Williams Institute identifies eight states with strict voter laws. 
that could potentially disenfranchise people whose government-issued ID does not accurately reflect their chosen gender. The Institute asserts that voter ID laws could prevent at least 78,000 transgender individuals from voting in the 2018 elections because, yeah, good, because transgender people who have transitioned, now listen, who have transitioned often face substantial challenges to obtaining accurate identification that accurately reflects their gender. The authors of the report contend that the process of obtaining an accurate ID after gender transition can be difficult and expensive. Well, I checked it out. I went online. It costs over $100,000 to transition, and they can't afford to get a new ID? It's absolutely crazy. So it's expensive, and therefore strict voter ID laws or Laws that require voters provide a government-issued photo ID, such as a driver's license, U.S. passport, or military ID, in order to vote at the polls, cause transgender individuals to face barriers to voting and possible disenfranchisement. Yeah. A corresponding press release notes that the difficulty is compounded for transgender people of color, young adults, students, people with low incomes. Well, why are they spending $100,000 to transition if they have low incomes? And people with disabilities, saying such individuals are likely overrepresented among those who may face barriers to voting. Absolutely crazy. Here we go. KansasCity.com. 1% of 1%, and they're worried about this. KansasCity.com. In this KC area district, boys and girls will share gender-neutral restrooms. Okay, this is in school in Kansas City now. No more separate restrooms for boys and girls, with rows of feet showing stalls. The North Kansas City School District is going fully gender neutral at two new elementary schools, as well in a few renovated restrooms in North Kansas City High School and the sixth grade centers. Imagine that. The bathrooms still have an open alcove area with a common trough sink, but the toilets are enclosed inside individual stalls with floor-to-ceiling walls and lockable doors. A single sign on the wall outside displays both the male and female symbols. Students said they like these restrooms better because they are more private. In addition, teachers can better monitor students because they can stand in the common area while the bathrooms are in use. Before, a female teacher could supervise girls in the bathroom, but she could not walk into the boys' bathroom. The district does not have a policy that speaks to transgender or gender-neutral restrooms. But we do have a policy about non-discrimination. The restrooms became a point where we can provide for all students. The design was a decision based on privacy, safety, and security for all students. Security. You have stalls that lock from the inside that you cannot see what's going on inside of there, and you have girls and guys in the same room. I can see where that's going to go. You talk about a lack of security, that's where it's at. From our other category, Zero Hedge. Venezuela, I'm sure you saw this. If not, it's very interesting. Venezuela slashes. I reported on it was coming. They did it. Slashes five zeros from their currency in one of the greatest devaluations ever. On Monday... Venezuela officially slashed five zeros from prices and its currency as a part of what has been dubbed one of the greatest currency devaluations in history, which slashed the value of the official bolivar by 95%. An overhaul that President Nicolas Maduro said would tame hyperinflation and which everyone else called the latest desperate failed socialist policy that will push the chaotic country deeper into crisis and unleash even higher hyperinflation. 
As part of the devaluation, the official rate for the currency will go from about 285,000 per dollar to 6 million. And together with salaries and prices will be pegged to the petro cryptocurrency, which is reportedly backed by crude oil and is valued by the government at $60 or 3,600 sovereign boulevards. The petro will fluctuate and be used to set prices for goods. Government officials tried to partly mask the shock by raising the minimum wage 3,500%. So instead of the new minimum wage being 1.8 million strong boulevards, it will be 1,800 sovereign boulevards the equivalent of $30 a month. Banks were closed and busy trying to adopt ATMs and online platforms to the new currency rules. They will likely fail, it says. Maduro said this was going to be a magical fix. This is a magical fix, according to Maduro. There is nothing magical about it. They're just going to go downhill even quicker. From Business Insider, okay, I've got the pictures for the people online. You're not going to see this, but 10 pictures reveal the huge amounts of cash Venezuelans need to buy everything that they need, okay? A kilogram of tomatoes costs about 5 million bolivars. Now, there's a kilogram of tomatoes, and there's 5 million bolivars next to it in a picture. So imagine what's going on here, all right? That's 76 cents. 5 million bolivars, 76 cents. A 2.4 kilogram chicken is um, 14.6 million bolivars or $2.22. A kilogram of carrots is 3 million bolivars or 46 cents. A roll of toilet paper, here we go kids, it's worth 2.6 million bolivars or 40 cents. A 1 kilogram package of rice is 2.5 million bolivars or 38 cents. A package of diapers is 8 million bolivars, or $1.22. No kids are going to have diapers there unless they are part of the ruling elite. Nobody. A one kilogram package of corn flour is 2.5 million bolivars, or 38 cents. Each one of those, they showed a picture like of a chicken and a mound of bolivars behind them. A mound of it. Just to pay for your food. Imagine that. This guy, socialism. There you go. Bearing arms. This is from Bearing Arms. I read this and I thought, you know, I've read a lot of disturbing things. This is really, really, really disturbing. I mean, it is. Here we go. Wildlife officials risked a woman's life over wolf concerns. On 12 July, a salmon researcher was treed by a pack of wolves in a Washington state wilderness area. She tried to pepper spray them and yelling, but the pack surrounded her and she climbed a tree. She later climbed down only to find the wolves still there. She scrambled back up the tree and called for rescue. About 12.30 p.m., Washington wildlife managers initially opposed sending a helicopter or a search and rescue team to save a woman treed by wolves in the Okanogan Wenatchee National Forest. The Department of Natural Resources pushed back and prepared to dispatch an air crew that eventually executed a swift rescue. Notes from a call between DNR dispatcher Jill Jones and a wildlife officer summarized WDFW's position and her position shortly before the helicopter launched. Here's what they said. No helicopter. Federally listed species, meaning the wolves are on a federal list. We don't want to scare them. Three WDFW personnel saying so. We are more concerned for her life than the listed animals, Jones told the officer. This is a person wanting to go rescue her. He indicated that she is safe up a tree. I told him we don't know how long she is safe. I don't know how stout the tree is and if the limbs will continue to hold her or how long she can hold on. 
Later reports show the woman to be a seasonal employee engaged in salmon research. She was not a student. She was not at the Okanogan County campground, but miles from it. The helicopter likely arrived about an hour after the researcher called for help. The Capitol Press report records about 45 minutes of debate preceding sending the helicopter. That is as repulsive as it gets to me. I can't think of those people that said we don't want to send it because of the wolves. Every one of them. I, I tell you what I would do. I won't tell you what I would do because I'd have to go to jail after saying it. But they all ought to be removed from their positions and they ought to be completely forever no government job for you forever. But if, if I had my way, you can bet it wouldn't be the same. It would be a lot worse than that. From NBC, more than 67,000 able-bodied Michiganders must now work to receive food assistance. Able-bodied adults in Michigan without dependents will be required to meet federal work requirements that have been waived for more than a decade. Thank you, President Trump. That's racist. That's racist. USA Today. Trump at 36% approval among African Americans. Donald Trump has nearly doubled his approval rating among African Americans in the last year alone. Good job, President Trump. From Newscom.au, South Africa begins seizing white-owned farms. So there you go. We knew it was coming. They've started it. I got a lesser for you. They're now in with the flick of the wrist. We must tell Satan cease and desist. When the workers buy snack... He is easy to track. It's because of the chip made like grist. So there you go. Got it in your arm and you can buy your way into the lake of fire nowadays. You don't even need to build a diving board. You just get a chip and off you go. All right. From our irony and odd category, the first one's a little odd. I don't think it's really uh, ironic, but it is odd. Mail Online says a man is arrested for shooting another man in a barbershop fight over who should play Aretha Franklin in a film about the late singer. Oh, my God. That's that's good reason to shoot your friend, right? From Zero Hedge, Antifa violently attacks a man holding an American flag, except he's a Bernie Sanders supporter. Good job. Such is the world we live in. So from Sarasota, Florida to Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia, and our satellite church over in Iligan City, the Republic of the Philippines. I'm Charlie Garrett. This is the Superior Word, and that is your Prophecy Update for the week.